Good evening, afternoon. I'm not supposed to say that because we're taping, I just realized. Um, my name's Greg, if we haven't met. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, it's good to be here with you. The last time, <laughs> the last time I was uh, here and had the opportunity to share with you, one of you sent me a, an anonymous note and this verse from Job 16.3. Will your long, useless speeches never end? <laughs> and all God's people said, amen. Now here's a suggestion, um, kind of heads up, it might be helpful to you. If you, next time you write an anonymous note, don't use your own letterhead, Daryl. Now... <laughs> Actually, one time I did preach uh, at a church, and a lady came up to me and said, I don't like your preaching at all. Very strong, and, and she said, I can't follow you. I have no idea of where, you, where you're where trying to go. I have no idea of what you're trying to say, and frankly, it exhausts me, and I'm never inspired. And I just looked at, at her and said, oh, come on, Mom. And uh, <laughs> it was a hard day. <clears throat> Now, some of you know, just as we start out, if you've ever been here and, and preached with me, sometimes it can be like trying to find Waldo. Um, I take basically what is the, scene, the scenic route, and I want you to know that. Um, but trust me, um, it, it's a leisurely drive, uh, but I have a destination in mind, and, and we'll get there in a roundabout way uh, today. Daryl asked me to, to uh, give a message on a specific word, and so to begin our time together, I'm gonna give you the word, share a definition of it, and a verse with you. And here's the word, the word is selflessness. Selflessness. And it's defined as the quality of caring more for the needs and wishes of others than you do for your own. Listen to what Paul says. We want to live well, but our foremost efforts should be to help others live well. Another verse says it this way. Do not be interested only in your own life, but take interest in the lives of others. So here's, here's the big idea. What would it take for you to make an intentional, significant change in your life in order to create margin in order to have some bandwidth for the priority of getting involved in the lives of others. What would it take for you to make an intentional significant change in your life in order to create margin, in order to have some bandwidth for the priority of being involved in the lives of others? What we need to do and what we ought to be about is to make sure that we are always in the process of stepping towards others who need us, and believe it or not, many times we need them. So let's just pray for just a second here. Kind Father, I would pray that you'd open our eyes to see what you see and move us to be the people that you created us to be. We ask that in Christ's name, amen. So, the word is selflessness. Another definition for selflessness would be having no concern for self. 
anything you do instinctively without having to think about it first would be a selfless act because you were consciously making the decision. You did what you had to do immediately. So as we start, I want you to know there are two questions I want you to have in the back of your mind. The first one is this. What does the Bible have to say about selflessness? And how does selflessness help us make a difference in the lives of others? In France, there's this little quaint town called St. Remy. It's just 55 miles to the north of Marseille. It is famously acknowledged as one of the most beautiful places in all of France. And it is known for its pastel, pastel-colored buildings and its cobblestone streets. And one of my favorite authors is Brendan Manning, and he shares a story that occurred there which had a huge impact on his life. Brendan Manning at that time was a priest, and there was a collective of priests, and they lived together, having having been sent from the Vatican to minister to the people of St. Remy. And they called themselves the little brothers of Jesus. On that particular day, it had been a hard day. And they were coming in from the different places they had been. They were exhausted. And they gathered around their common table for an evening meal and to reflect on their day. And the conversation started out as standard workmen's lament. Poor wages, lousy hours, hypocritical employers. They were essentially whining and feeling sorry for themselves. And their discussion rapidly descended into a holier-than-thou rant of comparison and judgment. They complained how hard they worked, selflessly served, and were always, it seemed, overlooked and underappreciated. And in the midst of that, one of the guys noticed that there was a priest at the end of the table who was crying. And they asked him, what's what's the matter, Dominique? What's wrong? And he responded in French, they don't understand. And Brennan was wondering, was my, he said, was my friend and mentor referring to the people that we had just verbally maligned? Those people who are completely oblivious to our goodness and mercy towards them? Or was Dominique actually whispering a prayer on our behalf? His brothers seated to his right and his left, who had momentarily forgotten their vows to the Heavenly Father and their vows to serve others. A few weeks later, Dominique learned he had inoperable cancer. He requested to leave the ministry in order to relocate to Paris, where he would have close family and friends and relatives there. And Brennan said even though Dominique was sick, he took a job as a night watchman in the nearby factory there, and he worked the graveyard shift, 11 p.m., to 7 a.m. And he said that didn't catch us off guard at all. That would be kind of like what he would do in order to get around people he didn't know, to minister to them. And the story goes that Dominique would travel home each morning following his shift. He would get home, catch some sleep, and then he would freshen up, grab a bite, and then he'd walk across, uh, walk out of his house across the street to a park that was there. And it wasn't an ordinary park. There weren't people strolling with there were baby carriages. There weren't lovers out for a walk. There was nobody sitting on the bench, at least that you would want to sit by. It was a rough place. It was filled with what society would call the riffraff. 
winos, losers, the old and the young and the homeless, losers all. And Dominique used to wear this rabbi robe when he was a priest, but he had got rid of that because he was out of the ministry now, and he traded the robe in for tennis shoes. And it was in the park that he found himself a new and unique congregation to serve. And every day was the same thing. He would get home from work, sleep a little, and head to the park. And he'd hand out candy or maybe share a sandwich with somebody or give out cigarettes. And somebody might say, you said cigarettes in church. I did. When I was in downtown Lincoln, we had a church and we had a lot of homeless people. And a cigarette was a ticket to conversation. I have twin boys. They understood that. And they used to have PNC every Sunday. Pancakes and cigarettes. <laughs> Dominique, though, didn't try to fix them or reform them. He simply became their friend. He took time to personally get to know the people he found in the park. He learned their names. He listened to their stories. And he would speak a blessing over them. And he always he always left them with good news, words that Brendan Manning said that he heard Dominique say a hundred times. Jesus Christ is crazy about you. He loves you just as you are, not as you should be. One morning marked the end of Dominique's graveyard shifts. Friends discovered his body on the floor of his flat. The cause of death was determined to be a heart attack brought on by the stress of the cancer. Brennan said these words. He said, I believe, however, that Dominique died of just the opposite. It wasn't a heart attack. His was a heart surrender. Here was a man who had surrendered, who had given pieces of his heart to others for a lifetime. A good word here, a gentle touch there, and encouragement always. And Dominique's journal was found with this final entry just a couple of days before he passed. He wrote... And listen to these words. All that is not the love of God has no meaning for me. I can truthfully say that I have no interest in anything but the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. If God wants it to, my life will be useful through my word and witness. If he wants it to, my life will bear fruit through my prayers and sacrifices. But the usefulness of my life is his concern and not mine. It would be indecent of me to worry about that. Can you just sit on those words for a minute? I don't know how many times I read that paragraph. And there's one thing I realized that was this. If you could somehow capitalize and put that on a shirt, I couldn't wear it. Could you wear it? The word is selflessness. And this was a hard message for me to put together. As I kept reading and thinking and, and studying about selflessness, two other words came up big time and time again. Two words, kindness and generosity. What is kindness? By definition, it is a noun. And it's defined as the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. 
I was thinking about that. Kindness is. It's, it is something that is. You either have it or you don't. It's a character quality for us, especially when we understand the fruit of the Spirit. It ought to be a part of who we are as a recipient of life in Christ, but it's even more than that. It is something that is, it is something that does. Kindness can also be a verb. It is an action. There's a dynamic aspect to it. It just can't sit back and watch. It is a love that acts, an empathy that enters into. It can't stand idly by. It must do something. It intervenes, it participates. It steps into. This is what the Bible says in 1 John 3, 18. Dear children, let us not love with mere words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Kindness and convenience are not synonyms. And don't miss this. When we are kind, we are imitating a key quality of Christ. One man said it this way, the path to a kinder world is being kinder people. What is generosity? What makes a person, first of all, generous? One word, gratitude. Gratitude. And this verse is amazing. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. We should be a generous people because it's been extended to us. First Peter says this, God has given us gifts, each of us, from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow from you. Let me tell you what gener generosity is not. It's not leftovers. It's not spare change. It's not merely meeting a need. It doesn't have strings attached. It makes sure that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. It has no expectation of being returned in kind. It's a going above and beyond what was expected or even thought possible. And again, what's the basis? Gratitude for the grace of God that is ours in Christ. If you just think, those of you who have a walk with Christ, just think about what you've been given. It doesn't take much reflection to realize how incredibly generous God has been to you. And kindness and generosity are interchangeable. They are synonyms. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I read through the Bible and, and I come across something and I, I, don't, I can't understand it and I have to do some work and it doesn't come to me and I get frustrated with that. I get hung up on that. Never happened to you? But the things we get hung up on in the Bible usually are not the things that confound us. If we're honest, the things that really trip us up are the things that we already know and do not do. And with that in mind, there's this powerful, unavoidable, biblical imperative about the importance of not overlooking what the Bible calls the least of these. In Matthew 25, it says that one day Jesus is going to take his throne and all the people of the world are going to be gathered before him. 
And then it says, Jesus will separate them into two groups. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, Jesus will put the sheep, the good people, on his right side, and the goats, the bad people, on his left. And then the king will say to the good people on his right, come, my father has given you blessing, his blessing. Come and receive the kingdom of God, the kingdom that God prepared for you since the beginning of the world. And then he says what it is that got them blessed. I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was alone and away from home, and you invited me into your house. I was without clothes, and you gave me something to wear. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And I, had, I laughed when I was reading this a couple of days ago because I know what probably happened. The good people are like, who, me? Me? When? And that's what they said. When? When did we do those things? And then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored or the least of these, that was me. You did it for me. So going back to Dominic's story. In the little brother's fashion, Dominic's body was transported back to St. Remy. No embalming. They got word out that Dominic had passed and there's going to be a funeral. And the day of the funeral, they, they laid out on a table with a candle. They laid his body on the table. And then they had a candle at each end. And they wondered before they even opened the doors, who would come to the funeral of this priest? He was humble, spoke few words. He had no earthly possessions in his life and nothing to leave in his death. Would the word get out? Would anyone come? And they came. They came from far and near. They came early. They stood in long lines, and many stayed late. Brendan Manning said in his own words, the best phrase I can think of to describe the number of people who came to pay their respects and to honor this humble man, it was a great throng. The next day, two of the little brothers had constructed a simple coffin out of wood, and Dominic's earthly body was, was buried. Brendan Manning said this many times over the years, I've wondered why I had the privilege of being friends with Dominique, of having my life tenderized by this unsung hero, of being one of the thousands at his wake to pause momentarily between the borders of those two candles to just have a moment to take a look at his face. He said, why he was my friend, I don't know. I do know that his message to me often was, it's okay not to be okay. He said, that was a seed that germinated in my soul. And the line of people often associate, a line that people often associate with my name was another thing that Dominique used to say, Brendan wrote. God loves you are not as you should be. He said, I've used it often over the years. And truth be known, those words were impressed upon me by the life of a man who had experienced himself. I do know that much. Beyond that, I don't understand.
one of the things that, a verse, and I, I can't even find where it's at. Oh, it's this right here. It's selfish and stupid to think only of yourself. It's from Proverbs 18, 19. All of us, if we're honest, we have a holy huddle. You know, the people that are our people, that are like us, and we're drawn to them. And sometimes it's hard to break in those holy huddles. And sometimes for some people, it's hard to break into one at all. Recently, I was nervous about sharing this, but recently, we had a, a person who had visited our church for three straight weeks, and they lingered. They just lingered. And they were looking for a place to stick, for a place where they would be allowed to step in, to be a part of. And that's what we are to do. We are to be about creating a community, a safe place where everybody has someone in their corner. And that starts here. It starts here. It's when you see somebody across the way and you don't know who they are and you walk across the aisle before you go to your holy huddle. And I'm not trying to be judgmental or harsh. Lingering. Here's a question I have for you. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? I had four funerals in the last um, few weeks. And one of them was this week, and he was a friend. It was really hard. And I was busy, and he, he would, I met him, he just, one day said, can we just talk? And so we would get together and just talk about every two or three weeks. And I got busy. And his wife called me. <clears throat> it would be now about 10 days ago. And she goes, he's not doing well. And she left me a message. Unbeknownst to her, I was calling her and we both left messages. And we actually missed each other's message. But he's not doing well, and he would really like to see you and hear your voice. But I was going on another trip uh, for, with Yvonne for just a day trip, and, and so I thought I'll just give them a call in a couple of days. And we called, and we overlapped again, but this time we got each other's. And she goes, I just wanted you to know he passed. He's my friend. And the thing I absolutely appreciate about him is we could talk about anything and nothing, but we just enjoyed each other's company. And I'm telling you, we have people probably listening to my voice right now who need that. And they're looking for that. And that person is you. There's a verse, the title of this message is, um, We've Only Done Our Duty. And I say that because when you read that list of the people that were on, the good people, and what they did for the people who were the least of these, they, I want you to stand, they didn't pat themselves, you don't pat yourself on the back for that, you see. It's just the right thing to do. Instinctively, because of who we are. We are a people that extend ourselves to others. 
and share in other people's lives. In Luke 17 is a verse that kind of mess, Luke 17 verse 10, it says this, been messing with me. When you have done everything you were told to do, you should say, we are unworthy servants, we have only done our duty. So here's my question. Who will stop and linger when your life is over? Who will stop between the candles because you made a difference in their life? Who's gonna miss you? Whose life is gonna be changed because you took time to stop and step in their direction and you extended your hand and began a conversation. That's what kingdom people do. That's what we've been called to do. And that's, that's where you find life. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would give us the eyes to see the invisible people and the sixth sense to see the person with a lonely heart. Help us to offer grace. Help us to offer ourselves. Help us to make, help us to make ourselves available for others. And may we be people of grace that extend it to others and lives are changed because that's kingdom people and that's what we're to be about. In Christ's name I pray, amen.